Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Wow. Hopefully you, uh, number one, enjoyed that. But hopefully, number two, you understood it. I do want to take a few minutes to kind of debrief and go over this and maybe build on it a little bit. But could we give the team from RVR one more hand for putting that production together? You know, our theme is this whole thing, as Dan talked about, this beauty from ashes that we've been talking about from this passage in Isaiah 61. And we looked at things uh, like this, the sovereign Lord. And that was a tough topic for us to tackle day one, the sovereignty of the Lord. And this morning, I really think we got to understand that he comes close to us and wants to comfort those of us that are lost in this place of ash. And tonight, this idea of beauty for ashes. You know, there was a, a, a couple things here that I'd like to point out in the drama, and hopefully they make sense. This whole thing was kind of centered around a tree. And if you know your scripture, you know your story, that tree played a very important role, not in the, only the storytelling of what you saw here, but in the storyline as we open up scripture and read through it. You know, at the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, there was this beautiful garden, and he let them have dominion over the whole thing, except one thing he said, man, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You guys are familiar with this, right? And at that tree, there was an act of disobedience that brought sin into the world, the very world we live in now, the world that we talked about. Sometimes we want to shrug our shoulders, throw up our hands and say, what is going on here? You know, that if you looked at the characters in this play, in this drama, and you listened to the words that were said, it's very moving. As you saw the enemy, the guy death come in, I don't know what you thought of him, but sometimes in Hollywood, in media, maybe even sometimes the churches re-portray the enemy, death, and he has a real name, that name is Satan, as a devil with, with uh, um, horns and a pitchfork. But hopefully you saw some of the subtleties here. He was well-dressed. He was very conniving. He was very sneaky. He was worried about how he looked and how he presented himself because he seduced the characters in here. Not to the dance they were created to give, one that brought life, one that brought joy, one that brought happiness, one that brought contentment. That was the dance they were created, but he came in and distorted the dance. And that's a picture of what he's done with our lives the great gifts that the Lord has given us to enjoy, the enemy has come in and has manipulated them. You know, the, the, the line in the play said this, says, but there was another, for when there is good, there will surely be those who opposed. Death opposes life and joy, not violently, no. Death pulled life and joy in with something so close to love they could hardly tell the difference. And I believe we fall victim to that quite a bit. You know, as we look, as God has created some beautiful things for us to enjoy, but the enemy has distorted them, and we have fallen for the, the shadow or the copy as opposed to the real thing. And those shadows and copies don't bring contentment and fulfillment and purpose and joy. They bring a distorted view. Think about how when God created Adam and Eve, 
and hopefully we're mature enough to handle the subject, but he created something that was so beautiful between the two, between a man and a woman, you know, that in an act of having a relationship together, they could multiply and produce a family. But our world, our enemy has distorted that so much that we live in a world today where we see young people being trafficked for other people's being exploited for other people's joy and fulfillment. It has been distorted. That's a heavy topic. That's not the way God intended it to be. You know, when he created people and families and people started to multiply, he created communities for people to enjoy and encourage each other. But in that time, people started to hate each other and people started to divide. It was something that was so close that suddenly we couldn't tell the difference until it got so bad. And this tree in the middle of this whole thing, and I'm not a big, I'm not to bring attention to the tree, but if you remember, at the tree, there was a decision that was made. It's what the tree represents, a decision. Adam and Eve in the scripture made a decision at that tree. That decision was a decision of disobedience, to disobey the Lord. And, And you saw the scripture up there on this tree, that said, sin entered the world through that one person, Adam. And I think there's a sense of irony as you read the scripture. You know, there's a verse in Galatians, so with just at the right time, God sent forth his son. Because at this tree, where in the Garden of Eden, where there was an act of disobedience, there was another tree centuries later. And at that tree, there was an act of obedience. And because of that person's act of obedience, sin no longer reigned and had dominion. You see, the tree plays a central part going through Scripture. Not what the tree is, but what the tree represents. It represents a decision we all have to make. Adam and Eve made their decision of the tree, and the Lord Jesus Christ made his decision on this tree. And his decision, his act of obedience, restores us. It takes the broken and fixes them. It takes the lost, and they're found. It takes the blind, and they can see. It takes the hurting, and they become healed. And it takes the dead, and it makes them alive. That's what his decision did on that tree. There was another uh, quote from the play. If you're listening carefully to what was being portrayed up here, and you saw some of the imagery, yes, it was an artistic expression of what we've been talking about all weekend long. But it says, we thought we had seen love's best when life and joy were created, but there was better still. And I know sometimes we think, man, if Adam and Eve never sinned, what a perfect world this would be. If we could all just choose to get along and not hate, not steal, not lie, not explore, what a great world this would be. And that's only partly accurate. Because we thought we knew love once before, but there was love we had not seen, and it was greater still. You see, God's act of love of creating the world and breathing us into life was a great act of love, but that was not his greatest act of love. His greatest act of love is when he sent his son to bear our burden, to take on our sin on the tree over 2,000 years ago. That was incredible love. That was, you know, knock your socks off love. This is the love that he wants to share with us. 
You know, if it, you remember on, on Friday night and the morning I talked about, you know, you're walking along a path and there's a decision you need to make and you want to go this way and there's all kinds of barriers and, and I'm pleading with you, don't go down that path. It's only going to lead to hurt. That's the decision Adam and Eve made. That's the decision our world has made. That's the decision people who have gone before us have made. But now we're trapped. Sometimes we look at it and say, God, why did you do this? He said, I didn't do it. You did it. But you know what? I want you back. I want you back so much, but I know you can't get to me. I'm going to send somebody to make a way, and that was my son. And he made the way through his death on the cross. Now, I don't know where you are or what you think about all this. I mean, I have a few guesses because most groups are pretty similar. They have the same people. There's people that understand this. There's people in this room that have grown up in the church, probably many of you. Your parents talked to you about these things. And you made a decision at one point in your life, like, that's the life I lead. I know I'm lost. I know I'm in a broken world. And I know I'm messed up. And I can't fix myself. So I'm going to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and let him come into my life and change me forever. Forever. And that's even forever, the eternity in heaven. And now some of you might be on the other side saying, you know, I'm kind of new to this. I'm hearing this. I'm seeing the fun that's had at River Valley Ranch. I'm enjoying the meetings at LifePoint, but I still don't get it. What is it all about? And there's probably a group of us somewhere in the middle. They're just saying, this is just how my life is. My parents wake me up every Sunday. I go to church. I have friends there from school. I've got friends kind of in the youth group. We've made it. And I like some of the things I hear, but I'm still trying to figure out what does that mean for me? Because at some point you have to make a decision. It can't be your parents' decision for you. It has to be your decision for you. And I think that's where we're going to kind of end tonight. But I want to give you guys that opportunity. Where are you on the spectrum, on the continuum? Where are you? Have you already professed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, I believe. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the videos. I know that this world is not the way it's intended to be, and my heart longs for something more, a change. And it can be a change out there, but I think the change, first of all, has to be in me, and you've done that. But there are some of us in here that haven't. And it's not growing up in a Christian home that fixes you. It's not going to a really great church where people care about you and teach. That doesn't fix you. It's accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When you realize, I'm broken. I'm not the way I was intended to be. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot fix it. And at that point, you realize, I need a Savior. You know, we've talked sometimes in the Christian circles about this idea of a sinner's prayer. I think it really does exist, the sinner's prayer. And I think the sinner's prayer is really just help. Help me. I'm lost. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I want more out of this life than what the world is offering. I don't want to follow the fake. I don't want to be seduced by the enemy, by the culture. I want to follow the Lord. I want to make it real. Tonight, you have that opportunity. We're just going to be quiet in the middle of this crowded room.
just to be quiet, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and give you the opportunity to pray. Give the opportunity to go one-on-one, face-to-face with the Lord and say, Lord, I think I get it. I think I get it. And I've maybe been gone through the motions, but I want to make it real. I want to give you my life. I want to ask you to make a change. So with that being said, all you need to say is help. You can go a little bit deeper than that. Understanding that you're broken, understanding that he sent his son to die for you, to take away your sin, and giving him your life. It's as simple as that. Will you take a minute? If this isn't for you, I ask that you sit in quiet and, and, and respect the moment. But if this is an opportunity for you to want to respond to what you feel or what you want to do, I want to give you that. Take 60 seconds and have time with the Lord. Thank you for respecting that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this week, and thank you for the students in this room. Thank you for the performance that we saw up here that was trying to communicate in a different way, an artistic way, emotion way, a visual way, the very thing that we've been talking about. And I pray that we understand that we can wrap our minds around this, Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Everything wrong in this world started back in Genesis at a tree. And everything right in this world happened in the Gospels at another tree. Adam's disobedience brought sin to the world, but Jesus' obedience brought healing to the world, brought righteousness to the world, brought life to the world. He undid everything that Adam did. He made beauty out of ashes. I want to challenge you with something right now. I know a lot of times we don't like to, we want to kind of blend in. We want to kind of go with the flow. We don't want to stand out because that means it's a little bit risky. But I'm going to ask you to take a little bit of a risk right now. If for the first time you felt like it was real, you prayed that prayer, you cried out and said, Lord, help. I want that relationship. I'm done just doing it out of family or tradition. I wanted to make it mine. I wanted to make it mine tonight. I want my life to be yours. I want to put it in your hand. I'm going to ask you something to do very difficult, which is take a stand and acknowledge it among your friends 
and your family, your church family here on this weekend. Will you do that? If you prayed that prayer. Wonderful. don't need to be ashamed. Man, that is encouraging. There's too many people that are going to church that are just going through the motions. You're saying, I'm done going through the motions. I'm done. This is real, and I want it. Thank you for that. Man, we're going to have an awesome time in our small groups here in a minute where you can kind of do that. But I want to thank you guys for the prayer because we know when in, in the scripture it says when one person repents, when one person accepts the Lord, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Can you imagine the party that's going on up there right now as they look down and see people that we will see in eternity together? You guys are wonderful. You guys are brave. Give them a hand. That is awesome. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.